I had a creepy truck driver ask me to travel the world with him and that he was never going to bring me home. He, so he explicitly said he wasn't going to bring you home? Yep. What did you say to him? And I was like, it's because I'm a redhead, isn't it? He was like, yep, I have a hot thing for redheads. Hi, I'm Takashi Wicks. And I'm Nikhil Foda. And this is Tuna Pasta, a collection of conversations recorded across the United States where we look for stories and lessons on the road from the people and places we often pass by. Our story in Southern California begins at mile 5,364. Entering the southeast border of California, the landscape really takes on a character of its own. We were passing through desert sand while miles to the right were bright green hills and miles to the left were mountains still holding onto their ice caps. We turn off of US 95 South onto Historic Route 66. The sand on the side of the road had been marked by travelers who took the time to pull over and arrange nearby rocks into the names of places they were traveling from. We saw some Michigans, Washingtons, and even a couple of Floridas. And just like my dad told me, we can see the full length of a freight train, so far in the distance that it seems like a small toy that any toddler could easily pick up. These were our first interactions with California, our home for the next couple of months, and Joshua Tree National Park was our first stop, mile 5,741. The first trail we took was Barker's Dam Trail, a short 1.4 mile loop that passed by Barker's Dam, a water reservoir in the middle of the desert used by one of the original settlers of Joshua Tree. Yeah, his name was Bill Keyes, who raised his family of four here in 1920 to eventually develop the original bed and breakfast of the park. Now, how do we learn this information? With our first conversation in Southern California with Karen. So just talk? Yeah, sure. <laughs> so I'm Karen Massaros, I'm from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. We found Karen walking on the muddy water banks of Barker's Dam in Palmont with her daughter and friends and I overheard her dropping a couple historical facts about the dam. So I went and recorded a conversation with her, and she just so happened to be the managing assistant of Joshua Tree National Park, having now worked in the National Park Services for over 31 years. How do you get into, what made you decide? I, when I, well, I was a Girl Scout, and when I was 12, I said, I'm going to work outside with people, I'm going to be a park ranger, and so my degree is in parks and recreation management. That's incredible. And park rangers have degrees in history or wildlife biology or law enforcement, criminal justice, sociology. You know, you can have a degree and still become a park ranger. Wow. How have you liked your career so far? I love it, and I'm three years away from retiring. Oh, really? Yeah. So is yeah. Joshua Tree your, your My final? final. Three in the four parks I've worked in every division but maintenance. So oh, really? I've, I've carried a gun. I've been a dispatcher. Wow. I worked at Hurricane Andrew. I was at Hurricane Katrina. Um, I've worked fires in probably eight different park, eight, eight different states. Wow. What's so, like the most difficult one that you've uh, worked? Wow. Most difficult? As your skills grow, you become more confident in what you're doing. Yeah. So I don't know what difficult would be other than seeing the devastation at Hurricane Katrina and trying to help other uh, employees of the Park Service and of the Department of the Interior and then their local families down there and just trying to get basic supplies to them. Yeah. So that's that's emotionally taxing. It wasn't physically hard work. It was emotional and mental hard work. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Finally, I asked Karen, with her time in Joshua Tree, what was the greatest life lesson that she had learned? We've got to take care of Mother Earth. We only get one, and we need we need to take care of what we have. And as 
science shows us more data, we need to rely on that and make good decisions about how we manage spaces like this because this is an internationally renowned park. People come from everywhere, not just to climb, but to go hiking or bird watching and to see the, the unique landscape. And uh, we just need to rely on our good instincts and, and take care of Mother Earth. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Thank you again for taking the time. Barker's Dam Loop Trail is estimated to take 45 minutes. For Nikhil and I, we took over two hours to finish the loop. We were satisfyingly distracted by the vegetation that occupied the park. Cacti ranging from colors of gold to hot pink. Flowers that bloom only once wasps have laid eggs in them. And of course, the alien-like Joshua tree, once dubbed the most repulsive tree in the vegetable kingdom. But we couldn't get enough of those things. And one of my favorite things about Joshua Tree National Park is that after admiring the minute details and ecosystems of the vegetable kingdom, we were hiking up Keysview, watching the sunset a mile above Coachella Valley and the San Andreas Fault. And I'm not often in awe of nature, but Joshua Tree is truly a unique place. I understood what drew people for many years to this random colony of yucca trees, from Mormon settlers to Irish rock bands. I see why people like Karen work so persistently to keep this area safe and beautiful, and I'm glad to know that there are people out there that are doing so. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, good running into you. Yeah, thank you so much. All right. Take care. Thank you. Enjoy your day. Have fun. Next day, mile 5,813. I was going out the same way I came in, on top and going for it. And it's fitting. I always want to be starting something. It's the only way to grow and get better. Keep an ear out, my friend. You'll be hearing me again right here in L.A. The final day of our road trip. After a terrifying night in the Mojave Desert. Well, terrifying for Nikhil. After a terrifying night, complete with camel spiders and mysterious underground thumping noises, we were excited to be in civilization and drove to Los Angeles. We experienced the legendary LA traffic, drove through streets overflowing with people. It was Memorial Day weekend. And finally parked at the Hollywood and Highland lot. Of course, this being Hollywood, everything has a catch. Our catch? Parking validation. As we searched for places to validate our parking, we passed through Hollywood Boulevard, a cacophony of street musicians and vendors selling fidget spinners and drum beats along the famous star-studded sidewalk. Naturally, we arrived at the Gifts of Hollywood gift shop. We almost bought the LA branded nail clippers, but instead opted for a postcard showcasing a grinning Obama expressing his approval for Los Angeles. Only one dollar. And our parking? Validated. Hollywood itself was a marvel of its own. We walked past a 75-foot-tall sarcophagus promoting the reboot of the Mummy franchise, starring Tom Cruise, and ventured into the Groundwings Chinese Theater. As soon as we walked in, we saw an energetic ticket usher bouncing over the velvet ropes to socialize with his co-workers across the theater. Here's Matt's story. My name is Matt, and I'm from Israel. Israel, wow. Yeah. What brought you to the current location we're at right now? I'm pursuing acting, actually. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so when I'm not busy tearing tickets, I do acting. How, how long have you been pursuing that? Uh, I moved here about eight years ago, mm-hmm. and uh, so I came out here to L.A. I trained, and uh, then I went to New York for a year and a half, and I came back here about three years ago, so I would say about six years in total in L.A. and about a year and a half in New York. I asked Matt what specifically brought him to acting. Um, so growing up in Israel, um, it's, I wanted to be famous. <laughs> like, it's, it's as stupid as that. Obviously now I'm pursuing it for different reasons, but that's what got me interested in it in the first place, you know, because growing up I was really into sports. I wasn't really so much into acting or anything like that. So um, 
yeah, so that's that's how it started, and then I found out more about it, and then I trained, and I discovered more, and I got to know different plays and different people, and now it's obviously other reasons that I'm doing it. What's your current rationale for doing it, if you could articulate that? Uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's, I feel like it's, it's the probably the biggest challenge for me, like I'm not... I don't feel like I'm, I don't come from an artistic family, so like art is something that I'm very passionate about, but at the same time, it's not something that comes to me naturally. So that's something that I hold in like very high regard. Like I, I really appreciate and I respect people who do that, and it's I feel like it's the only thing that I'm passionate about. If if I um, if I go and I you know if I do something um, artistically as an actor, and that's how I feel that I did something, I accomplished something. Like that's that's my way of feeling like I have purpose like right. I'm doing something if I come here to work that's great I make money but I don't feel like something has been accomplished and I do get that feeling when I when I act when I work as an actor wow. yeah that's really interesting so you said you studied um, in the area yeah I, I studied at the, at the American Academy of Dramatic Arts um, actually down the street here in Hollywood and then I also studied at HB studio in New York what was that contrast like, like coming from Israel to studying in America and Hollywood you know all places? The contrast between Israel and L.A. is probably not as big as between L.A. and New York. Really? Uh, yeah, strangely enough. Because Israel is, I mean, you know, obviously you hear in the news like a lot of crazy things about it. But for the most part, it's like very laid back. People are kind of crazy. People are very uptight. But, you know, the country as a whole is like, it's kind of laid back. And, and it's like, you know, and, and then coming here, it was... And I was. It also has a lot to do with your, with my mindset, you know. Because when I came here, I was still that person who was from Israel. Mm -hmm. But so, and then when I went to New York from LA, then I was trying to adapt a new mindset of like being more active and being more open to new adventures. Mm -hmm. So I think you know, the more you open yourself up to a city, the more you're going to experience it. So when I first came to LA, I didn't really have that mindset with me so it was just you know the kid from Israel still trying to hold on to that yeah and then when I when I went to New York I was actually more open to to experience and to, to challenge myself so that's why I was able like to, for me it was a bigger change from LA to New York than from Israel to LA huh, it's a really interesting perspective yeah but even with that traveling from Israel to LA well can you kind of go behind the story like what was like all right, I'm going to buy a plane ticket and head to L.A. Like, how did that happen? Yeah, uh, pretty much that. You know, I was I knew I wanted to do it uh, before I even finished high school, uh, which explains some of my high school grades. I'm like, I'm not going to need those. You know, I'm just I'm going to go to L.A. anyway. So, you know, so I knew I wanted to do it. And then um, after high school, I worked for a year to save money. And when I when I was 19, I just I bought a ticket and I came actually came here to audition for school a few oh, months really? before I moved here. And then when I found out that I'll be able to do it, that, they, that I got accepted, that's when I'm like, okay, it's, it's, I'm, I'm going to do it. It's happening. So, yeah. That's super cool. And uh, one final question that we ask to everybody we interview is, um, since your time being here, what's like the biggest life lesson that you've learned that you'd be willing to impart onto somebody else? Wow. <laughs> that's something you need to prepare for. Um, for me personally, um, I would say that it's, Give yourself time, you know, and, and that it doesn't just mean don't quit if it doesn't happen, but it also means don't freak out and don't don't get mad at yourself and don't shoot yourself in the foot if it doesn't happen right away, you know. So because like for me, I'm still here, obviously, so I didn't quit, but I spent so many years and so much time like being frustrated and, and basically um, slowing down my own progress because I wasn't letting myself experience and learn. I was just like so focused or on what needs to happen whatever that even means you know so i, I would say if if anyone wants to to pursue it um just trust that things are happening mm -hmm. and just 
give yourself time and, and do your best and trust that it's leading somewhere even if it doesn't look like it right away. Right. Would you say that you're still on that pursuit? Do you, do you still find yourself in that mindset sometimes of being like, oh, maybe? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> it's easier said than done. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think I got better, but I definitely have ways to go with like um, really embracing the process and, and not being so goal-oriented right. and trust that, you know, even an experience that might seem negative can teach you something exactly. and, and lead up to something that is more positive. Yeah. Cool, yeah, thank you so much. Upon leaving Hollywood, we hopped onto the last stretch of I-10 and drove west towards Santa Monica. Jutting into the Pacific Ocean was famous Santa Monica Pier, the western endpoint of Route 66, and for this Memorial Day weekend, the destination of thousands of visitors. More like tens of thousands. As we walked along this crowded pier, we encountered many unique sights. An intelligent sea lion begging for food. Believe it or not, a full-sized Ferris wheel and roller coaster just above the water. Pop-up shops with services ranging from face painting to immortalizing your name on a grain of rice. And, at the very end of the pier, a Santa Monica staple. Wow. Dancing Dave. As Dave's performance brought hype and life to the cheering crowd, another performer was packing up his now-finished set into a wagon. While we were leaving Santa Monica Pier, we crossed paths with this man. His name was Ben. My name is Ben Bostick. I'm from L.A. Oh, awesome. And can you describe uh, where we are right now? We're on the Santa Monica Pier in Santa Monica, California. <laughs> what do you do here? I'm a, a performer on the pier. So I just finished performing down at the very end of the pier. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Well, what, do you, what do you do to perform? I, uh, I'm a musician, and I have a one-man band set up where I have foot percussion. I play guitar and sing and some harmonica. So how, did you get, how did you get involved with that? Uh, I sort of found out about the, the peer performing by chance. Someone had, had told me it was like a very like lucrative musical gig uh -huh. and I was like I don't believe it yeah. and so I came out here and did it and I was like whoa this is playing better than the restaurant gigs and all the club gigs and everything so I started doing it more and refining an act and now I'm here usually two or three days a week how long have you been doing it for uh, about a year I started in May of last year true yeah so what, what's kind of your goal with doing um, this music well my goal I was able to save enough money to make my first full-length album oh, recently. Oh, wow, really? So I, did, I had an EP before, and then I uh, did a full-length album recently, and from there, see what happens. Wow. It comes out next month, July. Dang, or, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah definitely. Look forward to it. So uh, with your time on the pier, what's kind of your experience with being here? Like, are people usually friendly? Are people interactive with you? Very. Yeah, people are super friendly, interactive, and also there's, there's so many people that even if uh, everyone's not digging your music, at least some people are. Yeah. You know? That's oh, pretty cool. Pretty awesome. Yeah. So you said you've uh, been in L.A. What's your favorite thing about L.A.? My favorite thing, I'm originally from South Carolina. Oh, okay. My favorite thing about L.A. is the amazing, like, diversity of people and of opportunities. I mean, there's just people... There's so many people here that no matter what you do, there's a lot of people doing it and yeah. interested in it. And that's my favorite thing. It's like, I mean, you could be into 
the craziest thing, and you can find like a group of 500 people that are also into that. Yeah, <laughs> that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. And the final question that we've been asking everybody on the road, um, with your time in LA, LA and even your time like performing on the pier, what's the greatest life lesson that you've learned that you would want to impart onto someone else? Ooh. Um, maybe the greatest life lesson is um, very trite, but truly follow your passion, but stick with it. I mean, don't don't follow it for a couple of weeks. Do whatever you got to do to make it to make it happen, and then you can find a way to. In America, you can find a way. To do it. Do you still find that here, performing on the pier? Absolutely. Yeah. And the opportunities it's given you? Yeah, it's been. I mean, finding the pier has truly been a sort of sort of changed my life in a way. <laughs> like, it, it allowed me to to just thrive enough financially to be able to make records. I mean, that's my that was my goal. Yeah. That is a really awesome story. Thanks, man. Hey, well, I'll let you go. Thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. My pleasure, man. Good luck for the rest of your trip. Yeah, thank you. And look forward to that album. You got it. Did you want your receipt? Uh, no, I'm good. We had stopped in Maricopa, California, a small city of 1,200, two hours outside of Los Angeles, mile 6,106. It was late. We were out of bow tie pasta, so no preparing our signature meal, tuna pasta. We settled for Subway instead. Don't believe what everyone says back towards your guys late. Us Californians aren't that stuck up as they make up. <laughs> we actually met like really good people in LA. Like we met this kid who had been aspiring to be an actor and like another guy, he was like a street performer, but he was paying his way off to uh, record his own music and stuff. Oh, nice. So super cool. But yeah, if you don't mind, if you could introduce yourself, who you are and where you're from. Hi, I'm Taylor. I'm from Riverside, California. The subway being empty, we naturally sparked conversation with Taylor as we were waiting for our sandwiches in the toaster. During the length of our trip, we had interviewed people in city parks, the tops of mountains, Mormon memorials, but we had not yet interviewed anyone on the road. This being our final night, I decided to record a conversation with Taylor. I had a creepy truck driver ask me to travel the world with him and that he was never going to bring me home. He, so he explicitly said he wasn't going to bring you home? Yep. What did you say to him? And I was like, it's because I'm a redhead, isn't it? He was like, yep, I have a hot thing for redheads. That's ter- that's terrifying. That's not a great thing. But, but what else are you doing on the side? Like, what are you, what are you doing? Uh, I'm a full-time mom. I have a beautiful 
beautiful two-year-old little blonde hair, blue eye, half Hispanic little girl. And I'm a full-time medical student. Yeah, I'm at a nursing academy, and I've been there for two years now. Eventually, I'd like to be able to go in, be an RN, be able to help with people, because that's a big part for people. Yeah, how long have you been in the local area for? I've lived here since I was 10 years old. I'm 25, so that's 15 years now. Can you describe the area that we're in right now? Maricopa's very deserty. Uh-huh. Very dry. When it rains, it's super beautiful here. Super green. Yeah. And then the heat comes and takes it all away. <laughs> but a lot of the people are pretty friendly here, if you know them. There's always new people coming in, always people leaving. I asked her how she believes her community is viewed by the people from outside of Maricopa. It, it's kind of on the way you look at it. Oh. Some people see us as just hicks who think we're better than everyone, and then there's those who just think we're not so nice words. <laughs> like in this area, there's really like this stereotype that people are kind of uptight or... Uh... We're kind of just looked at as trash. Really? Yes. In this area? That we're illiterate people. Here, Taylor begins to refer to Taft, a city seven miles north of Maricopa with eight times the population, established there years back because of its nearby oil reserves. Considering Taft, they have a better high school, but our high school is a lot smaller, which gives the students here a lot more of a hands-on than Taft High does. So, but do you really find, like, hostility in that kind of assumption that other people have? Some, some do. Half people do have quite a bit of hostility against us with that because they think they're better. But in reality, no one's better. They're yeah. all the same. And finally, I asked the question we had asked the dozens of people we have talked to during the length of this trip. Uh, uh, in your time being here, so in the local community or just from your experiences here, uh, what's the greatest life lesson that you've learned that you would want to impart onto someone else? Not to take things in advantage. Even though if you're bullied, some kids tend to take that as an advantage to use against people because they feel that they've been mistreated for so long that they deserve everything. When in reality, they don't. They're just as beautiful as everyone else. It's they just want to take more of the time of others than those who think they're just taking that. How have you experienced that here? I was bullied very badly. I was the youngest of my siblings, so I got made fun of a lot. I got called a boy because my sister was so beautiful. So coming from that point, it is very hard. But I've moved on. I have a beautiful child, and I'm very grateful for what I've gone through because if I wouldn't have gone through it, I would have seen this mistakes I made and the successful steps I have made. Nikhil and I sat in the subway, eating our respective turkey bacon avocado and ranch chicken sandwiches, the last meal of our 18-day road trip across America. We decided then and there to drive through the night straight to San Francisco, so we canceled our reservation for the night, said goodbye to Taylor, and hit the road to the Golden City. Four hours left with 18 days of life lessons and adventure on the road behind us.
Thank you so much for listening to our first episode. If you enjoyed, please subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you truly love this episode, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts. It means a lot. It really does. You can tweet at us at TunaPastaPod or find us on Facebook. If you're interested in sponsoring our podcast or just want to say hello, email us at hello at TunaPastaPodcast.org. If you'd like to see photos and more info about each episode, please visit our beautiful website, TunaPastaPodcast.org. This episode was produced, edited, and recorded by Takashi Wicks and Nikhil Thoda. Our episode includes music from Ben Bostic, featuring songs Sweet Maria and Fade to Blue from his previous EP, My Country. Ben's premiere full-length album will be released next Friday on July 7, 2017, available on Apple Music and Spotify. Please go check it out. This episode also includes music from The Rockin' Road Dogs and Akira Taniguchi. Special thanks to Yasmina Horozovic for our editing help and Luke Olstorn for producing our theme music. Keep cute, both of y'all. Special thanks also to Karen, Matt, Ben, and Taylor for taking the time and recording conversations with us. We really appreciate it. And finally, thanks to the podcast Millennial for being the soundtrack of this part of the trip. If you haven't listened to Millennial yet, make sure to go check it out. <laughs>